2: This is the Wednesday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Delighted to have you tune in. If you have any questions, comments, or phone, uh, or, or things that you need to deal with, uh, all you have to do is pick up the phone, dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877 630 KSLR, that's 630. 630- 5757 You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app as always if you are driving in your car the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, we got stuff going on tonight. I'm going to be starting a brand new book in the Old Testament. Uh, We're in the book of Ezra. Uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther all deal with generally the same period of time in Jewish history. So uh, I I think they're important books. Uh, Nehemiah is everybody's favorite. Um, Ezra is very, very rich as well. So that's tonight. Uh, At 7 o'clock, you can watch it live stream at calvarysa.com if you can't get here. Um, Paula will be here with us live tomorrow on the Date Day edition of the program. And as always, she's going to be fun. If you have any questions or need any encouragement, all you have to do is pick up the phone and call. Let's take our first phone call. We've got Matthew from Siblo on the line. Matthew, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Barbara. How are you doing
3: today?
2: Doing good, thank you.
3: So uh, I went back into the archive. I know we last time we discussed, some, uh, you know, to study the Book of Romans to get more into that and how it's richly um, deep in your relationship with the Lord, and, and I found it very, very uh, wonderful so far. And, and so I, I got to the third video, and um, it talked about being um, not to be afraid of the, or ashamed of the gospel, right? Romans uh, mm-hmm. one sixteen. And, and then yesterday in my personal time, I started uh, the book of Luke. And, uh, and so I got to uh, actually this morning, not yesterday, this morning, I finished up the Romans yesterday, started Luke today, and it was talking about, uh, about a prophet not being honored own home or in his own hometown. And, and so in the contrad not the contradiction, but the, the message for the Romans was about, you know, not being afraid straight, not, not share, or so continue sharing and, you know, stop worrying about, you know, what people say, or how people feel, but continue sharing the gospel to your family and people the Lord put in your path. And then, and then so we come to Luke and it talks about, you know, not being uh, on in your own home. Or is that, can you decipher that, distinguish the difference? And I'm pretty sure I'm out of context here, but um, so when you prophet, does that thing, like, you know, with family that are not going to necessarily, Listen to you or they're tired of you or friends or those things. Uh, go ahead and decipher that if you don't mind and come okay. and kinda uh, go in more into that, than that. okay. I'll, so I'll, thank, thank you,
2: Matthew. God bless, appreciate it. I love that when people call and say that our resources have been a blessing to them or or that, that they're useful. So um keep in mind all of our stuff is free and online and available so uh please enjoy. Um a couple of things Matthew you you're you're missing uh, you're trying to make a connection between the gospel of Luke which is Jesus ministry, remember to to Theophilus. Um, um he he wrote to most excellent Theophilus within the book of Acts it's just Theophilus cuz he got saved but the idea there is is um Jesus is presenting the case for Jesus. I mean, uh, Luke is presenting the case for Jesus. Uh, he's telling him about the, the 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 great things that Jesus did. Obviously, it worked. But but when he's talking about a prophet has no honor in his hometown, that's that's autobiographical. He's talking about his own experience. And and what he's saying is even my own family member, the people in my own hometown, we read in the gospel that he could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. And the reason that a prophet has no honor in his hometown, Matthew, is because... Uh he's he's the people too familiar with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, they grew up with him. They watched him grow up now. They should have realized, hey, this is a perfect kid. I've never seen a perfect kid before. But they but they realize that, hey, wait a minute, how could how could the Messiah have been among us the whole time? And 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 clearly he was, and and we're told it's unbelief. So the completely different circumstances. The chronic or the gospels rather are chronicling Jesus' ministry. Uh, When we get into the epistles, the book of Acts, it's a completely different audience and a completely different context. So our job is to share the gospel of Christ. Do not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Additionally, as disciples of Jesus, we've been given the command to go into all the world and share the gospel of Christ. We're told to make disciples of all people, uh, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And we've been given, Matthew, the Holy Spirit to empower us to do that very thing. So that's the differences between the two. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, a church that he's never been. It is the most complete treatment of our Christian faith that's ever been written. Rome, the, the the capital of the world, the, the, the center of the known world at the time. And uh, he's just telling them, go out and go out boldly. Now, let me also address the issue with telling family members. And I have a rule. You've probably heard me say this, Matthew, but my rule is simple. When people stop listening, I stop talking. Is that... Simple for me. As long as they're listening, I will answer any question. And all when they start saying, I don't want to hear that, just leave it alone. I'll stop talking. Now, I'm probably going to stop visiting as well. But, but um, you know, the idea that we are to bombard our family members with the gospel over and over and over, I think, is a misunderstanding. Consider this. Every time your family member hears the gospel, they're, they're more accountable. And every time they say no, their heart gets even harder. So what I would do is share the gospel with them. Let them know that if there's ever anything serious they want to talk about. I mean, family members, they want to talk about all kinds of stuff that doesn't really matter. But if they ever really want to talk about something serious, if you want to know what's true, if you want to know what's right, I'll always be here for you. And then you pray for those people. But but to, to keep badgering people that don't want to hear, I think, is counterproductive. So thank you for the question, Matthew. I... Appreciate the call. Let's go to Jim online, two from San Antonio. Jim, thank you for calling. You're on the air.
4: Thank you, Pastor Ron, for uh, offering the service to us and the body to answer questions. And thank you for your knowledge of the word.
2: Oh, thank you, Jim.
4: My question is probably related to the, the response you just gave.
2: I, uh, I'm a
4: retired teacher. And so my first job that I got was because of a, a friend of mine who's also a teacher who helped me to get good graces with one of the people that was hiring. And, and so, um, I wanted to just write him a note. We, he, we live in different cities now. So I wanted to write him a note saying, we attended this in church and, uh, I just heard him articulate the gospel. I, I thought he, I'm going to say this, he seemed a brother that was just legitimate.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, he was in a small group and was active in that church for a while. I found him on Facebook. We haven't touched base in more than 15 years. So he's, He's been married to a man for seven years. Oh he attends a church quotation marks that the, the pro gay theology church and that's not a church. He's he's politically active. He put a oh, this is freezing. He put a he posted a, a video on his Facebook page of a drag queen dancing and his quote below was No children were harmed in the making of this video. <laughs> so I I you know, I, I suppose he's one of those that Jesus talked about that says, Don't throw your pearl before the swine. I want to thank him for the fact that he did open that door for me to start my teaching career. Um but first Corinthians six says, you know, don't be deceived. You know, neither homosexuals nor adulterers and it goes on, we'll inherit yep. the kingdom of God. So I, I I just assume he's a he was a false brother. I don't know if it's worth my time to to mention anything. I I don't know if he's just so hard hearted, like in Romans one says that God just gave him over yeah. to uh, a depraved mind, but I'm just grieved. I, I just I had no I just had no idea this was coming, and uh, I still have a heart for him. Yeah. Do you have any counsel for me?
2: Yeah, Jim. I I think I do. You know, I have one of those men in my life as well. Uh, uh, when we first got started here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, and things were so so difficult, uh, we just sold our truck um, just to keep the church going, and we had no transportation. And and here was a guy, I met him at Randolph Air Force Base, um, and he gave us, we we never asked, of course, but he gave us a car. And um, uh, he he was at all of our Bible studies, and and somebody brought me a picture of him uh, a couple years ago uh, getting married to a man. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, I I thought this was a brother. Um, He was excited about the work. And uh, now he's divorced his wife. Now he's married to a man. Uh, so, so I share your grief. I, I understand that kind of heartbreak. Here's what I would do I think sending him a thank you is very appropriate. Thank you. You helped me get my foot in the door in this. And, and it, it, it's just been a blessing. My memories of you are always fond. And then you can say, and you can say, thank you very much. But then you can say, in all sincerity, I always believed you to be a brother, and now looking at your Facebook posts and the comments that you made, I'm concerned for your eternal destination. If there's ever any way I can help you, if there's ever any way that I can answer some questions for you, I want you to know that just as you help me, I'll always be here to help you. And just leave it at that. He'll he'll probably either respond with vitriol or not respond at all. There's no in-between in that. So be ready for that. But but this is a man that you need to commit to prayer continually. Um, it's really, really difficult for those who knew the truth and then walked away from the truth and have embraced the lies. But they need to be witnessed to, and this is an opportunity to do it without being in his face. Just I'm, I'm grateful to God for you. Thank you for all the help you gave me. But my heart is hurting now because I saw your Facebook posts and the things that you said. And I just want you to know, I always believed you to be a brother in the Lord. And this is hurtful. If there's ever any way I can help you, I'd be around to do it. Jim, I'll be praying for my guy and your guy now. (laughs) Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Ruben from Seguin on line one. Ruben, thank you for calling. You are on the air.
5: God bless you, Pastor Ron. How are you
2: doing today, sir? I'm doing well, Reuben. Thank you. How about you? I'm
5: just feeling a little bit under the weather, so just asking for prayer. Just uh, I don't know what it is, like some bug or whatever, but just don't feel too well. But uh, um, I have a follow up to that question I asked you the other day uh, mm-hmm. about uh, military. Uh, my friends, they were listening to it because I asked them to listen, um, and they couldn't. They're listening right now. They couldn't quite grasp, uh, and I didn't know how else to explain it to them. Like, you know, once you give your life to Christ and, you know, the old man is dead, I tried I tried to, to give them that scripture that the old man is dead hereby, you know, and I know I'm, I'm messing it up, but, you know, all things are made new, and you're a new man in Christ once you give your life to Christ. And everything you did, you know, uh prior to that point you know it's forgotten and it's thrown into sea of forgetfulness and and they couldn't quite really grasp it like you know you know well, we didn't do anything wrong we just followed orders so you know why do we have to give our lives to Christ in order for us to be you know uh redeemed and i was like i okay, go well it's just and here's where I got stuck. I'm like, oh my God, what am I supposed to say that? You know, here I thought I know it all, but I don't. I was like, I was just trying to tell them. You know, it's it's just you know that's what what Christ came for. He came, you know, uh, to to save us all. You know, uh, when when Adam and Eve, you know, sinned, and uh uh of uh, thousands of years of of sin, and Moses. Wrote a law, and then when Jesus came and died for us, he he did away with the law, and and now we're under grace. But there's like a prerequisite, so to speak, that you know you have to give your life to Christ. And if I am wrong in anything that I just said, can you please clarify it for them? They are listening right now.
2: I I can, Reuben. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, and thank you for your concern for your friends. You know, one of the problems, Romans 8, 1 says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and you know, a lot of us live under condemnation for the things that we did, the terrible things that we did before Christ. But they're looking at it as though that that those things they did, and, and maybe they were bad things, those things they did in the military while they were under orders. Well, if I was just following orders, why do I need to be redeemed? It's not for just that sin. The reason we need to be redeemed by Jesus Christ is because of our first sin and then all of the sins after. Here's the key, and this is a picture that's always worked for me. If God said, uh, come to heaven, everybody can come to heaven, but there's one requirement. You can't be, no blue is going to be in heaven, just the color blue. There's no blue that's going to be in heaven. And for some people, um, because they sinned a little bit, um, they're, they're, they're going to be light blue. Some others who sinned like I sinned, who really sinned a lot, um, we're going to be really dark navy blue. And then there's going to be a whole lot of people in between those two extremes. But, but the, the, the requirement was no blue at all in heaven. Well, Jesus died to take away the blue. He, he died to compensate for all of our sins. And our sin separates us from a holy God. And typically, Reuben, when people ask these questions, if they don't understand, um, sometimes it's because they don't want to understand or they don't care to understand, uh, but they don't understand that God is holy and the only way we can come to God is holy. Matthew chapter five, verse 48, Jesus, sort of the summary of that section of the Sermon on the Mount said, be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. The only way you can get to heaven is to be perfect. Well, your friends, Reuben, just like you and just like me, we cannot be perfect. It's impossible for us to be perfect because we've got this horrible sin nature and we're guilty of sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And Jesus, because he was without sin, And he was an acceptable sacrifice for our sin. His blood covers us from all sin. Takes away the blue. His blood covers us from all sin. And then we stand positionally before the Lord. Perfect. Now for your friend who is listening. Think about for one minute standing before God so holy. That even to look at him would kill you. And yet when you're covered by the blood of Jesus. When you surrendered your life, ask forgiveness of your sins, you're covered by the blood of Jesus, and you stand before the Father, and instead of dying from, from holiness exposure, he looks at you and says, perfect. Let me quote the Song of Songs. All beautiful you are, my darling. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Jesus' blood covers us from all flaws. And so this has nothing to do with your military service; This has nothing to do with the thing you did yesterday. This is all sin separates us from God, and the only answer for sin is Jesus Christ because he's the only human who's ever been perfect. He proved that he was a human by being perfect. He proved uh, by, by living in the flesh, but he proved that he was perfect and accepted by his sacrifice accepted by the Father. Because he didn't stay dead. So we don't have to worry about, I try to be good. I was only following orders. We're all guilty of sin. We're born that way. John chapter 3, and Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus that everybody's familiar with. Um, he says, we're born condemned already. And so because we're born condemned, that's that sin nature in us that causes us to sin. Jesus was sent by the Father to be an answer an atoning sacrifice for your sins and because he's alive they killed him but he's alive now it's the father's approval the acceptance of that sacrifice and Jesus and his sacrifice takes away all the blue so I hope that makes sense to your friends when you give your life to Jesus Christ uh, you ask for forgiveness you are born again okay okay Thank you, Reuben. I appreciate it, and I'll be praying for your friends. And um, you're close. You can tell the Lord is knocking at the door of their heart. And all you got to do is open it and believe. What do you have to believe? If you believe with all of your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that God raised Him from the dead, and I'm going to add one other thing: that Jesus is coming back again. And for your friends, Reuben, He is coming back soon. You will be saved. He makes it so easy that anybody can get saved. Let me also say one other thing. Whatever you're guilty of, whatever the sins that, that, that you're responsible for, I can promise you that the writer of Romans that Reuben is referring to, the Apostle Paul, he said of himself, he was the worst of the worst. I'm the chief of sinners. I can also tell you that I've been a pastor for 28 years, and I can just about guarantee you, that the stuff that you've done isn't nearly as the, as bad as the stuff that I did and have been forgiven for. So God's grace reaches everybody. There's no end to it. And he's inviting you to believe and be saved. Thank you, Ruben, for the opportunity to talk to them again. And uh, any questions that you guys have, I'll be thrilled to do it. Here's a question from Jacob from our email inbox. Can you explain why God waited so long to bring grace into the world? If he knew we were going to fail, why did he wait so long? Well, Jacob, he never keeps us from failing. He gives us free will. We get to make a choice whether we're going to be obedient or we're going to be disobedient. Now, obviously, God knew that there were going to be a lot of people, in fact, most people who were going to be disobedient, were all disobedient, We're all guilty of sin, but he knew that most people weren't going to receive Jesus Christ. That's grace. That's grace. He keeps reaching out all day long. He keeps reaching out to each and every one of us. Now, when we ask the question, why did God wait so long to bring grace in the world? He didn't wait a long time. Um... With the Lord, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. God lives outside of time and space. And over and over, we're told in the Bible that Jesus came at just the right time. Not a day early, not a day late. You know, in uh, the gospel accounts, the triumphal entry, uh, Jesus, because of the prophecies, had to come to Jerusalem on exactly the right day. It was April 6, 32 A.D., he had to be there on that day, one day early, one day late. He's not God. So he had to come. And everything that Jesus did from the time he was born in this world, everything pointed to that one day. And then, of course, later in that same week, he he would end up on the cross to die for the sins of the world. But over and over, we're told at just the right time or when the fullness of time came. So he wasn't late He didn't wait a long time. God revealed himself to people uh, who lived before the cross in a different way than people who lived on this side of the cross. He revealed himself in his holiness and his character through the law. When Jesus came, he revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ, his son, and we have different approaches. The people that were born before the cross, look forward to the cross. Abraham was saved because he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Those of us born on this side of the cross, we look back at the cross. I think that's easier for us because we look back at overwhelming historical evidence. Um, but, but grace is now available. God chose to be gracious at just the right time. And yet he was very gracious with Israel, very patient, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. So it's the same God, same character, Jacob. But he didn't wait. Everything God does is perfect in timing. And Jesus came at just the right time. And let me add one other thing, Jacob. You and I, we live. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says that we live At just the right time, God says he's placed everybody where they are at the time they are. Why? Because it's easier for us to find God. So we're also here in these last days at just the right time. So don't be impatient. Just understand that God had a plan and everything is worked out perfectly according to that plan. Good question, Jacob. Thank you very, very much. You know, for... um, Just a reminder, all the why questions. Why did God do this? Why did God say this? Don't ask the question. Just deal with what it is he said to do. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the Wednesday show. 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. This is The Word to Stand Up For Life. I'll be back in two minutes.
1: Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
2: Welcome back to the second half of our Wednesday show. Remember, tonight I'm going to be teaching Ezra, a brand new book in the Old Testament. Um, Thrilling and especially the way I'm going to start tonight. Um, I mean, it makes me cry. It makes me cry. This Ezra, there's a scene when, when the exiles are back and uh, it's just absolutely thrilling for me. So uh, I may get emotional, but uh, it's great. Um, here's an anonymous question from our email inbox. we love your phone calls. It says, do you think it's right that God showed favoritism to the Jews? I know they were his people, but what about everyone else in the world? I feel like most of the world was sent to hell because God only cared about the Jews. Anonymous, I think you, 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 you same person that asked the question yesterday. God didn't show favoritism to Jews. Uh, you got to be really careful because questions like this border on anti-Semitism or hatred of Jews or prejudices against Jews. God chose Abraham. Abraham was the man that God chose And from Abraham came the Jews. Abraham was the very first Jew, but he was just like everybody else in the world. Now, the reason God chose a people was because he wanted a people for himself that would show the rest of the pagan world who God really was. It was God's design that Israel Jews would live a life uh, so righteous that the world would say, well, your God really is God and we want to serve him. Uh, especially when God attended his people with such miraculous signs and wonders uh, when they left Egypt and when they crossed the Red Sea. I mean, those were stories that spread throughout the entire world. And, And everybody knew that Israel's God was God. The problem is Israel's God demanded holiness and the world didn't want to be holy. So, uh, God simply said, I've got a people here. Now, he didn't choose them because they were holy. He didn't choose them because they were better, smarter, or more spiritual. He chose Israel for the same reason anonymously chose you and me. God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the weak things, to shame the strong, um, the despised things, even the things that are not. God knew that he would get glory by choosing these people that everybody was going to end up hating. So he chose them. That's not favoritism. That's simply a choice that God made. Um, What about everybody else in the world? God extended grace. God extended mercy over and over and over to people. He demonstrated he was really God, and they rejected him. In the case of the Amorites and the Amalekites, he waited for 400 years before bringing judgment on them. That's showing a lot of favoritism to them. So God is not a respecter of persons. He chose the Jews to represent him, and sometimes they did really, really well. Unfortunately, their history is cluttered with sin, and typically what they did, Anonymous, is bring shame to God, and that's why God judged them. And it's really important we understand that God judged the Canaanites because of their sin, but he also judged his own people because of their sin. So there's no favoritism at all. And um, when you say you feel like most of the world was sent to hell because God only cared about Jews, the reason people go to hell is because of sin, and they didn't want to stop sinning. And it's the same thing that's true today. People don't reject Jesus because they can't believe. They don't reject Jesus on an honest intellectual basis. They reject Jesus Christ today because they don't want to stop sinning. And the result of sin is always going to be Eternity separated from God. That's what hell really is, where there is torment. The truth about Jews is, and you can go to Zechariah for this, even at the very end, even at the very end of time, it's not like Jews get a free pass to heaven. So even at the very end, when Jesus comes back and he's revealed uh, in the sky, bringing judgment on the world, at the end of the Great Tribulation, only a third of the Jews are going to be saved. Two-thirds are still going to reject him. They all had the same chance, just like everybody in the world has the same chance to say yes to Jesus. So by God choosing Jews as his own people, choosing Israel, he chose a nation. didn't choose individuals, he chose a nation. It doesn't mean that if you're Jewish, you get a pass into heaven. Because the only way to get to heaven is to believe in Jesus Christ. Hope that makes it uh, a simpler explanation. Let's go to our friend Greg in Bolverdi on line one. Greg, thank you for calling. You're on the air.
6: Hey, Pastor Ron, uh, to really appreciate your program, um, and please keep me on the air just in case I have a follow-up question. Oh,
2: okay. But
6: I just want you to know that I, I I'm retired now, and I I plan my day around your program.
2: Oh, thank you, Greg.
6: That's <laughs> okay. so nice. Because I, I I try to catch it as often as possible. So anyway, my question is: uh, With in this day and time, China is now aligning partnership with Russia and and with Iran. You know, those three groups. It seems like it's the same, you know, people group that is spoke about in Revelation. Do you feel that you know that is the case, and that we are like really, really close to Jesus calling us? you know, to him or where, where you think we are?
2: Yeah, I, I think we're so close, Greg, that I literally believe it can happen any minute. Now, I'm not one of those guys with my face and my mind in the clouds, you know, I'm not, um, uh, I, I mean, I'm living my life here. Jesus said to occupy until I come. And our command is to occupy, to do the work that God sent us here to do. Um, when you look at the situation in the world, I mean, all we have to do is look at the darkness in the world. Uh, It's not just here, it's all over the world. When we look at the the natural disasters that are happening with increasing frequency and in increasing intensity as well, when we look at the nations of the world uh, conspiring together against any light, when we look at the hatred still in the world toward Israel and those who support Israel, um, the only conclusion that we can come up with is that, the stage is being set at this very moment. It's almost like going to a Broadway play, and you can hear the actors in the background getting ready, the sets getting ready, but the curtain is yet to open. Well, I think all of the people are in place. Uh, the 200-million-man army that Revelation talks about, uh, that's, a, that's a reference to China in the East. You know, we, People used to laugh at the book of Revelation. because oh, there could never be a 200-million-man army. China can do it now. Um, When we see uh, enemies, sworn enemies, Russia and China are sworn enemies, they hate each other. But in the end, we're going to see people joining forces um, in, in rebellion against Jesus when he appears in the sky. When we read Ezekiel 38 and 39 and we realize that there's going to be uh, these armies from the north that invade, I think this is going to happen right after the rapture of the church. There are others who think it's going to happen just before the rapture of the church. Um, when, when we see those things uh, already being prepared, uh, I think all we can do is look up. Because Jesus is coming. Now, when I say things like that, people say, well, you've been saying that for all the years uh, I've been listening to you. Hey, we've been saying it for 2,000 years. Christians have been saying it for 2,000 years. But uh, but I'll reference Peter's comment that I referenced early with the Lord. A thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. And Peter said, no, God's not slow. In 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 keeping his promise, but he's patient, unwilling that any should perish. And Greg, what that means is that there is a f- literal countdown going on. There's a finite number of Gentiles. Paul in Romans 11 talks about the fullness until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. There's a finite number of Gentiles, non-Jews who are going to believe. And when that number reaches zero, that's the last one. We're going to be out of here. And that's when the great tribulation begins. And what we should be doing as believers is in these last days, while there's still time, especially with the people on our prayer list, we ought to be telling everybody about Jesus. We ought to be sharing the faith, giving the, the, the solutions uh, for the things uh, that, that the whole world is, is asking about. Um, we've got the answers, and so we've got to be busy about the lord's business. but th- there is no doubt in my mind at all that all you need to do is look around at all of the things that are happening, and you see these are the signs of the end uh Second Timothy chapter three, beginning in the first verse, Paul says, "But Timothy, mark this in the end." Things or times will be perilous or, or dangerous. And, and then he describes the kind of behavior. Greg, that's like reading our journal because those are the very things that are going on in this world. There's one other comment I'll make, Greg, before I go back to you on this. Um, um, for me, uh, uh, and, and this is uh, has been shocking to me in the last five years. It's been shocking to me. How... Quickly and completely, the world, the whole world, has been deceived. I mean, think about it. Uh, 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 men can become women. Women can become men. Homosexuality is a good thing, not a bad thing. Now, I'm 71 years old, and we never had those kind of thoughts before. Everybody knew those things were sin. And all of a sudden, the whole world, except for Christians, has bought into the fact that those things are sin and the world says, oh no, they're good things and let's celebrate them. And, and that can only be evidence, Greg, of a lying spirit that's been sent from heaven um, because the people that reject Jesus Christ, their hearts are so hard. God has given us over to those hard hearts and a lying spirit has come and we don't even know right from wrong. We've lost the ability to blush At sin, we're no longer ashamed of sin. Isaiah 5 talks about a time when good will be called evil and evil will be called good. And we live right in the middle of that time. So Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. And our responsibility is to be about his business until he comes. you have a follow-up on that, Greg? Yeah, I do. Uh, You know, I
6: got saved back in 1984 at the age of 22. Mm -hmm. So the they tell you I'm, I'm about ten years behind you. About to catch up with you, I think. But uh, I, you know, back in even back in those days in the early '80s, mid '80s, you know, it's like, man, it's, it's imminent, it's imminent. But to hear China and Russia and Iran coming together as they are, it's like, man, this is this is taking it a step further. This has never happened in the, in the entire history of our civilization that I'm aware of, where those three nations. Who are going to be the ones that come against Israel, and something has to happen to the United States where where you you know irrelevant. We we, we not have the ability to respond.
2: Yeah, Greg. Let me let me say this. I think the United States is going to sin ourselves into obscurity. You know, the Roman Empire was never militarily defeated. Uh, the Roman Empire uh, crushed the rest of the world, and and. Then one day they were no longer a factor. And sin, you, you think we're bad now. The, the kind of lifestyles that were lived in Rome were egregiously sinful. And um, they just sinned themselves out of relevance. And, and I personally believe that that's exactly what's happening to the United States. We have been abundantly blessed by God. Um, you know, we we haven't been around even three hundred years, and uh, that's that's a just a blip on the radar, uh, in terms of the length of time um, compared to other empires in the history of the world, uh, and and yet we became the richest, the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, abundantly blessed, and the way we've thanked God for it is by doing two things: one, turning on Israel, when we were once Israel's protector. And secondly, we thank God by excusing God from every facet of our lives. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to find that the United States is going to uh, be overwhelmed uh, economically. Um, You know, we've got uh, 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 governments, uh, administrations that want there to be no end to spending. We know where that ends up. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that you can't spend money forever that you don't have. And and not only that, but they're doing it um, um, at levels, unprecedented, unthinkable levels. And I, I just think what we're going to see is the United States just sort of falling away. There's one hopeful possibility, Greg, and that hopeful possibility, and I don't see evidence for it, but that hopeful possibility is that just maybe one more time, God in his mercy will send his spirit um, one more time on the United States of America, and there will be a revival. And then all of those people that that were rebelling against God get saved. When I say all, I'm speaking generally uh, be, because not everybody's ever going to get saved. But, but I think there could be a revival so profound That when the rapture of the church happens, um, America is left without a bunch of people. Now, that's what I'm praying for. I've been praying diligently for that for a long time. But the farther down the road we get, uh, the less hope I see of that becoming a reality. So, Greg, you keep telling people about Jesus. You keep living your life as a light for the Lord. And um, the people in your sphere of influence uh, will be watching And when things get scary, um, you're going to find people coming to you. And that's true for all of us as Christians. We have the answers. I know I said that to another call. We have the answers that the rest of the world is searching for. And we've got to be there and able to do it. Let me make one more comment. I know I said that was my last comment. But this is not for Greg. This is for everybody. It will be impossible for you to stand in this world with the onslaught of information we get, with the 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 brainwashing powers of social media and regular media, um, the, the world, the pressure that's put on us, it will be impossible for you to stand for Jesus Christ if you're not a man or a woman devoted to, committed to God's Word. It's not enough to go to church. It's not a good enough to try to be a good man or a good woman. Um, um, you, you need to be really digging deeply into God's Word because the only way to resist the influence of the world that we live in is to be influenced by a greater power and that's the power of the Word of God. So very, very important uh, for all of you. You you won't stand. You will deny Jesus Christ uh, if you're not committed to not only reading, studying, but doing what the Word of God says. Thanks, Greg. It's always good to hear from you. Here is a question. This one is from David. He says, Are people who died as unbelievers already in hell now? David, um, hell is just a general term that describes eternal torment Um, Luke chapter 16, we're given a picture. It's a real story, not a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, the rich man goes to a place of torment in the center of the earth and Lazarus goes to paradise. Uh, they can see one another, but there's a big gulch. So one can't go from one side to the other. Um, so, so they can see Lazarus, for instance, could see the rich man in torment The rich man could call out to him, Lazarus, dip your finger in this water and cool my tongue, for I'm in torment in this fire. Um, uh, And Lazarus couldn't go over and help. Um, and, And in that place of torment, David, that's the place where unbelievers are currently being held. So there's not hell yet. At the end of the Great Tribulation, in fact, at the end of the 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth, uh, the Lake of Fire, which is the the ultimate uh, eternal abode for the dead, the unbelieving dead, um, it will be created then, and they will be thrown into the Lake of Fire. Until that time, they're being held in this compartment, the abyss, or the abuso is the Greek word, uh, and, and and they are being tormented there. Um, I mean, think about somebody like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus knowing he lacked something. What must I do to obtain eternal life? And the rich young ruler walked away sad because he wouldn't take Jesus' counsel. Now, he was with the Lord, could touch him, could hear him, and rejected him. And he has been now for some 2,000 years, nearly 2,000 years. He has been in that place of torment that the rich man identified in his discussion with Lazarus. So not there's no place called hell yet, but there is a place of torture or torment where the unbelievers are going to be. One other comment, David, um, there are degrees of torment in hell um in 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 this place of torment or in the in the 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 lake of fire um there are people who are going to be beaten with many blows jesus said in a parable Uh, others will be beaten with few blows uh, just as there are some christians who are more committed and sold out than others there are uh, people that are unbelievers uh, who are um, guilty of sin, separated from God, but not the kind of sin that other people do. I always think of Hitler. You know, whenever anybody says, well, I think God should take everybody to heaven, I say, do you want Hitler in heaven? Well, no, not him. Well, then where do we draw the line? Um, people like Hitler are going to be beaten with few book, or with many books. So the idea is that torment is torment. Um, being with Jesus, we call that heaven. Being separated from Jesus, we call that hell. And that's where they are currently. Um, Oliver asks a question. Um, Pastor Ron, what is your opinion of Deliverance Ministries? Uh, Oliver, they're uh, out of balance, immature, um, incorrect in terms of their destinations, their um, ideas. Um, and and, and they do a lot of damage. Uh, Deliverance ministry, we were delivered on the cross of Jesus Christ. So deliverance ministry, where they claim to to, uh, deliver people from demons, um, simply not true. We can't be, if you're a real believer, uh, inhabited by the Holy Spirit, you cannot be possessed by a demon. Um, if you uh, say, well, no, we're delivered, I'm, I'm uh, delivered from the demon of lust or the demon of alcohol, or the de- demon of drugs. There's no such thing as a demon of drugs or alcohol or lust. Um, we have already been set free. Paul writes that sin shall no longer be your master. Um, we now have promised victory, deliverance already given to us on the cross of Jesus Christ. So, uh, deliverance ministries diminish the finished work of Christ on the cross, deliverance ministries, and most of them will say, no, we're filled with faith and we trust and we believe God. They also have a uh, tendency to be heavily charismatic and sometimes um, on on prosperity things, um, uh, doctrines, um, but really they have no faith at all because they fail to realize what Jesus Christ did on the cross for them. So I hope that answers your question, Oliver. I tried to be direct. Kind, but direct. Uh, Here's the last question I'll take for today. Uh, It's from Danny. He says, Why doesn't God speak directly to us today like he did in the Old Testament? Well, Danny, he says in Hebrews chapter 1 that in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days... He's spoken to us by his son, or literally in the Greek, it's in son. So, Danny, here's what he said. I've said everything I need to say. Jesus is the last word. And because Jesus is the last word, we don't need God to speak directly to us. Now, we would like it. I mean, we're sort of lazy spiritually. We don't want to have to really dig, and we don't want to pray a lot, find out, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Um, but, But he's given us his word, and if we will invest in the word of God, um, the Holy Spirit will speak pretty directly to us about what our direction is, about how we're to respond in certain situations. Uh, you know, we would love the clarity of, of of God appearing to somebody and saying, don't go here, go here. Um, but but God has already answered all of those questions for us, Danny, and he wants us to learn to walk by faith. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to get to know him. and And the truth, Danny, God stopped you on the street and said Danny I want you to do this if it was something you didn't want to do most believers would choose to do what they want to do and they would convince themselves well that really wasn't God so um, God simply doesn't need to speak to us any more than he already has he says Jesus is my final word and if you think about it Danny what more could he possibly say the son of God, God the son who died for the sins of the world and was raised from the from the grave alive. Why? Because he fulfilled the need for a sacrifice for our sins. And all we have to do now, the only thing we have to do is believe in him with all of our heart. So Danny, that's why he doesn't speak directly to us like he did in the Old Testament. We have it even better. God's better and more sure word, the person of Jesus Christ and his perfect word. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Remember, Paula will be live with me in the studio tomorrow. I know that's exciting for everybody. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then.
1: Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4...